Sacred Spaces, July 14, 2019. In 800 CE, the first line of Adi Shankara's renowned Shakta hymn, Sondarilla Hari, reads, If Shiva is united with Shakti, he is able to create. If he is not, he is incapable even of steering. So let me tell you a story, a story which goes back to the dawn of time, when the great goddess who created the world and then lives as the world is asked to incarnate as Sati, she who is, in order to make the sacred marriage with her eternal consort Shiva. Without her presence, Shiva cannot act in this world. He sits on a mountain, lost in meditation, disdaining to perform his cosmic function. And this creates havoc in the cosmos. So the great deities, like Brahma and Vishnu, the sustainer, approach the goddess on their knees. They beg her, for the sake of the world, to take the form of a woman and lure Shiva out of his yogic trance. Daksha, a minor elemental deity, will be her father. The goddess agrees, but only on one condition. She has seen that men and gods have begun to treat women as property, lesser creatures in the cosmic hierarchy. If I agree to become your daughter, she tells Daksha, you must promise to honour me as the great goddess. If you do not, I shall instantly leave my body, for I will know that the time is not yet right for me to act fully in the world. Daksha humbly agrees, and Sati is born in his household. At the age of 16, she marries Shiva, drawing him out of his meditation through the allure of her irresistible beauty and the power of creating bliss. Shiva, the original shaman and the primal yogi, who resides in deep forests and mountains and is attended by ghosts and goblins, refuses to change his homeless lifestyle just because he has a wife. So for Eon, Shiva and Sati make passionate erotic love under trees and beside streams, in subtle realms beyond the clouds and in secret mountain caves. They adore each other with cosmic passion. And then the trouble begins. A few thousand millennia has passed. Daksha has worked his way into a position of power as the leading deity of religious orthodoxy. In the process, he has forgotten his promise to the goddess and forgotten his daughter's real nature. He disapproves of Shiva's rebellious status and feels personally threatened by Shiva's obvious disdain for convention. Daksha plans a huge cosmic fire ritual which will establish for all time the religious structures of the universe. He invites every god, titan, celestial musician, snake deity and nymph in the universe. But Daksha deliberately sends no invitation to his daughter and her consort. Sati hears the news on the day of her sacrifice. She is stunned beyond measure. Daksha has done the unthinkable. Not only has he grievously insulted her beloved, he has dishonoured the world mother, the power of life itself, without whom religion is meaningless. Sati knows she cannot remain in a world that does not recognise her. She sits in meditation, summons her inner yogic fire and sends a life force into the ether, leaving her body behind. Shiva goes mad when he finds her. He takes her himself to the ritual ground and destroys the sacrifice. He then takes Sati's body in his arms and begins to careen through the worlds. Wherever he carries her body, earthquakes and volcanoes, tidal waves and forest fires erupt. At last, the gods do the only thing they can to save the universe. They send the great wanderer Saturn to cut Sati's body into pieces. As the parts of her body fall to earth, they become physical pockets of sacred ecstasy, earth shrines. And for eons, in these hidden caves and beside trees, near bodies of water and at the hearts of villages, people still find the pieces of the goddess enshrined in the soil and rock itself. Her body is a sacrifice that infuses the divine feminine into the earth. But this is a part of the story because there are actually said to be 108 places where the parts of her body fell. And each part then 
is uh, worshipped separately depending on which part of the body fell out there. So, the parts of a body which fell at sites all through the Indian subcontinent, they form sites which are known as the Shakti Peets today. At all the Shakti Peets, the goddess Shakti is accompanied by her consort Lord Bhairav, a manifestation of Lord Shiva. There are four Adi Shakti Peets and 51 important sites of Shakti worship located in the Indian subcontinent, which are located in India, Sri Lanka, Nepal, Bangladesh, Tibet and Pakistan. Most Shakti Peets have since developed into famous temple complexes, including Jwalaji, which is in Marshall, Tara Tarani in Orissa, Katyayani in Chhatarpur in Delhi, Kamakhya in Assam, Nena Devi in Himachal, Manasa Devi in Chandigarh. But there are a lot more sites apart from this. These include, as I said, places in India, Nepal, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh and Indonesia. And this is why Durga Puja is worshipped in all these places. The four-day-long Durga Puja is the biggest annual festival in Bengal, Assam, Orissa, Bihar, Jharkhand and Nepal, where it's known as Dashin. And it's celebrated as Vijayadashmi in Bihar and Bengal, or Dussehra in, in, in the rest of in North India. In Kashmir, she's worshipped as Sharika. The main temple is in Hariparbat in Srinagar. In South India, especially Andhra Pradesh, the Sera Navratri is also celebrated and the goddess is dressed each day as a different deity, like Saraswati, Parvati, Lakshmi, etc. In Mysore, Karnataka, she is worshipped as Chamunda Deshwari, the patron goddess of the city during the Sera. In her peaceful form, she is worshipped as Mahagori, the, Shri, the fair lady, or as Sri Santa Durga, or as Santeri, as the patron goddess of Goa. Gujarat, of course, has the Navratras. In Maharashtra, you have the Tujla Bhavani and Ambabai is worshipped as Mahishasur Mardani and as the patron goddess of the land. Some early Western accounts even refer to a deity known as Demus, Demus or Diomo. The sailors first came face to face with the idol of Demus at Calicut on the Malabar coast. The word Durga in Sanskrit could mean a place which is difficult to overrun. Another meaning of Durga is Durga, Durga Tanashini which literally translates into the one who eliminates sufferings. Therefore, Hindus believe that the goddess Durga protects her devotees from the evils of the world and at the same time removes the mysteries. But this is not the story of Sati that we normally tell in India. In India, Shiva is the main figure in the story and Sati is depicted as a submissive Indian wife who leaps into the sacrificial fire because her husband has been insulted. And this in fact has become the role model for the the version in which Hindu widows are encouraged to emulate themselves in their husband's funeral pyres. But actually, the version that I've just told you, which comes from a book called Awakening Shakti by Sally Kempton, is far, far more interesting because in it, we actually hear of the great goddess being the more important one, not as just as a wife to Shiva. And that's why we see her being worshipped in 108 places. Unlike the modern day retelling where you only have the gods being of any importance. But as the great goddess herself, Sati had the power to choose life or depart it. She doesn't leave her body because her husband is insulted. She leaves because like so many fathers and the conventional world he represents, Daksha has failed to honour her power and independence. He embodies patriarchy's inability to see the primal divinity of the feminine. She leaves because she knows that if the dignity of the feminine is not recognized, the true union of masculine and feminine is not possible. 
and we end up with a situation in which we are in today where the world is extremely lopsided where women are prisoners of war where women from the moment they're born are either drowned or raped or given away in marriage as property or told to emulate themselves or vanished in other ways this story in itself reveals more clearly than any in eastern mythology that moment when the patriarchy removes goddess worship from conventional rituals leaving the goddess to hide in the secret places of the earth because the goddess understands deep time she also knows that her death is not really an ending because one day the time will be right for her to reincarnate and once again appear in this world but this time perhaps the world will be ready for her but there's a reason why the story as i keep repeating is so important because it speaks of a hidden voice within the tra- traditional culture the voice of primal feminine dignity it allows us to connect to the deep structures of the universe and her gesture her willingness to emulate herself to call attention to injustice it calls it it's more a recognition of the deep feminine capacity for passion for feeling itself for the kind of love that cares nothing for safety or conventional wisdom that kind of love which is the quality of the universe itself which is willing to destroy its own life forms when the conditions of life become untenable the divine feminine knows that a birth sometimes demands a death and that the personal self sometimes has to die if the world is to be made sacred more and more across the world i'm seeing this happen where the divine feminine is hidden away as witch power or uh only allowed to come out during the navratra when suddenly everyone worships women but in the normal style of existence she's the the goddess seems to have completely disappeared and we have to be more those of us who are interested in the goddess actually need to go and search out places search out people who will help us connect to this it's become even more obvious in the fact that um, when there are lynchings in india they are being done in the name of jay shri ram or jay hanuman hanuman being the goddess of celibacy and as somebody reminded me yesterday shri may have been a version of lakshmi but is definitely not a version of the feminine we are losing the connection to radhe krishna is no longer being said we are losing the connection to sita ram where we talk about amount of sacrifice that sita did as did ram it wasn't just one sided we know from other studies that this is a case that's been happening across the world in celtic law there's a story about a culture that lived in ireland before the warrior tribes arrived it said that when their land was invaded these folks goddess worshippers artisans and craft people dressed in their finest costumes and arrayed themselves in battle to meet the invading tribes then when the opposing warriors rode down on them these beings turned sideways into the light and disappeared legend says that they entered into the cracks between the visible and invisible worlds where it is thought that they still reside in what is called the land of fairy and in a sense the goddess too has turned sideways into the light she emulated herself like sati surviving as a consort of male deities not being known in her own name any longer she is exiled like the shakina the divine feminine of judaism and because of that we find something profoundly important missing in the world 
where women themselves are out to touch their own shakti with the force of feminine strength and the flames of feminine love and even orbindo agreed to this he said if there is to be a future it will wear a crown of feminine design more and more as we enter a world where you have to be male to be successful we are forgetting that there are other things which are equally important the love the dignity the respect the taking care of ourselves as sacred beings the freedom and dignities and opportunities that should have been available to us to share along with men instead you there are very few artists and intellectuals who are respected any longer it's more about being um, rich like vishnu or being well i can only say a raver like shiva instead there is no worship of saraswati on a daily basis and this intrinsic feminine strength and intelligence without it we just weaken ourselves as humanity and modernity has created other conditions that weaken our bonds to the feminine we are born in sterile hospital environments emerging out of the womb to be blinded by bright lights handed over to large beings to spank us and cut the umbilical cord and if we are premature or seen to be weak or sick we may be separated from our mothers or kept in incubators or in other words abandoned by the feminine as we grow older we are mothered by women who are not mothered themselves and who don't have the deep capacity for relaxed nurturance that lets children trust their place in the world many of them have to go out to work and they have to prove that they are strong enough to manage home and office and in that the children are often not given the nurturing that they need we grew up in a culture where girls are treated as objects of sexual desire long before they have a true sense of self and where the secret language of the feminine has been commodified into shared conversations about fashion and nail polish and about juggling difficult jobs economic shortfalls etc we no longer have a system of social support because we live as single families we have our own emotional difficulties which we can't address as we age we turn invisible where the moment you become older either you remain thin and beautiful and keep making that effort to remain as young as possible and of course then you're derided as for uh, looking like meat what is it La- meat dressed up as lamb or you're sent into an identity crisis where you see that elderly women rather than becoming true elders simply devolve into passivity and depression to change all this to enter into these sacred spaces where there is this ability to nurture ourselves it requires a deep turning of the heart a shift of consciousness and a connection to the source of life and maybe this is where sacred spaces come in because shakti although it means power actually has five faces it's the power to be conscious the power to feel ecstasy the power of will or desire the power to know and the power to act and it's only when all these powers come into play in the act of cosmic creativity when divine intelligence allows you to explode and evolve only in this in shakti's dance do we become every do we in our essence we come into our essence 
and we are able to be at play both in ourselves and in the world. And this is what we need to find if you want to enter into sacred spaces. Thank you. That's all for today.